Today I'd like to begin by honoring my father. I want to give honor to my dad today. If I had a choice of a biological father or a choice of a pastor or a pastor father, I would have chosen my dad every time. I stand here and representing Scotty and Dana to say we are the lucky ones. I want to thank my dad for his steadiness and his decades of sacrifice that I saw for the sake of the kingdom, which was larger than our church and larger than our lives. Dad cleared a path for all of us that has made our journey in this walk of faith so much easier. And I feel led of the spirit to speak today to the church body and I'll address my word to the men here today the overtones hold no bias everyone can find their place in the word and I say today that's because my dad set me up for success thank you dad I love you very much and and I hope that Scott got you a good present Matthew chapter 1, and I'll read from verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily or privately. While he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord, by the prophet of the Lord, by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Two more verses. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. And I preach today the choice of connection, fathers, sons, and daughters. Amen. I feel like I'm giving a keynote address. I don't know if there'll be an altar service, but I believe there'll be a decision of choice today naturally if the Lord moves on your life we're always here to pray for everyone and pray with you amen God bless you you may be seated no one gets to choose their biological parents whatever modern medical procedures become available some of which are now distorted the child son or daughter 
do not have the choice as to who their biological parents will be. That child is the after effect. It's after the fact. The baby is the result without choice or decision or even deliberation. He or she. But there is another choice to be made and this is where we are gifted with a decision all our own. Maybe it's just me, but the Lord, I don't know, he seems to lead me to scriptures that are often reserved for some other occasion, a holiday, a thematic moment, perhaps. But I read from Matthew chapter 1. We read this scripture almost every Christmas. In fact, as I began to read it even today, I felt um, that nostalgic moment of Christmas time, and we're pretty far away from it right now. Mary and Joseph, the wise men, magi, shepherds, abide in the field. I think those shepherds were just minding their own business, and you have Herod, the wicked king, government officials ordering the slaughter of Jewish-born male babies. The birth in the very early days of this Jesus features unique highs and lows, moving stars and angelic choirs and a raging king trying to hold on to his temporal throne. Mary, of course, is the key. She is the key, Mary. The miracle of the virgin birth is the significant moment. And then it's layered with other phenomenons. The innocent lamb of God. The combination of the holy God and humanity. The purity of the Messiah. The perfect blood of the sacrificial lamb laying in a manger, the overshadowing of this Holy Ghost, the mind-bending concept. The sins of the world will lay heavy on this child as he grows in years to come. The government will be upon his shoulders. Isaiah 9 and 7 says, Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Prophetic words. And there, standing in the shadows, is the most important stepfather. Ever to live. He will speak a million words over, but not one of them will be recorded in the scripture. Da Vinci, Van Gogh, Rembrandt, Michelangelo, my favorite is Caravaggio. All of them, it's difficult to decide who would be the greatest opinions rule that world, I suppose. But among the many, I remembered an old art history class where an obscure painter found his place by showcasing the balance of Joseph, the husband of Mary. Hundreds would depict Mary, the Christ child, and a, a collage of disciples and Old Testament figures, but it was Bartolome Murillo. His trademark was to illustrate a paternal virtue of Joseph, often left out of the conversation and, of course, the canvas. Murillo. It took a long time before Joseph would find his place in the Renaissance era, and thanks mostly to, to Bartomolo. Murillo saw Joseph as a good father, loyal, devoted to the cause, higher than himself. He's still in the shadows. 
but he is a just man. He believes that Mary has stumbled in some way. Some other man has entered the scene. It was a reproach to her. Joseph could have walked away. He thought about it. But in his kindness, he considered to put her somewhere where the people wouldn't talk so much. A private place. Maybe another city. Her reputation was stained and their coming marriage was over. He knew that. It was a dilemma that confounded him until the angel of the Lord came to call. Joseph did not have the feeling that Mary had. He did not feel the moving of the eternal spirit on his body. He had what appears to be a dream and an angel speaking in a dream. And that's it. And in the dream, he's given instructions. This is of God, the angel said. The baby is the savior of the world and his name shall be a saving name. And that alone is a difficult concept for something that has never happened in the history of mankind and is biologically impossible. Medically impossible. We are given but a handful of insights into this most critical stepfather, diligent, honorable, kind, a man of work, authority, and most of all, a spiritual man with spiritual perception to believe that his fiance has a baby of the Holy Ghost. It's a hard saying. I wonder how many would have waited around nine months to see the results of that. Nine months. There was no choir singing until Jesus was born. Month four and five. The Magi didn't even come long, until long after Jesus was born. In fact, maybe up to two years later. They weren't on the scene when he was born. The evidence of the birth of Jesus was most entirely by faith, and yet Joseph's name is mentioned, but not, not mentioned past the first few chapters. In fact, he won't even be mentioned by name in the hall of faith found in Hebrews chapter 11. Almost no accolades, but maybe. Maybe the insertion is in Hebrews eleven thirty-eight, of whom the world was not worthy. Maybe he was in that group of whom the world was not worthy. Stepdad. Joseph begins his marriage as a blended family man. Blended family. <laughs> Stepdad, blended family. But he is without bitterness and without anger. He beholds the Christ and the wonder of it all. And ultimately, hear this, perhaps the most important moment will take place when this Christ is born and Joseph has a duty to perform. It was the pivot point of his life. I submit it was the purpose of Joseph to give that baby the name. Look back in your Old Testament. Rachel, the wife of Jacob. She's in childbirth. She's going to bear her second child. Something's gone wrong. She's dying. They cannot save her. And her moment of, of death... Grief overtakes her when life did not turn out the way she had hoped. Things are not right. Rachel is burdened and she gives birth to a son. And when her second son comes forth, she calls him Benoni, which means the son of my sorrow. But Jacob steps in, her husband, and says, oh, no, 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 no. I can name him. And he renames him from Benoni to Benjamin, not the son of my sorrow, but the son of authority, the son of my right hand, son of power and of might. Jacob renamed Rachel's secondborn son because the father 
always gets the last word. Daddy is the one who issues the name. He can allow his wife to do it. This is the Old Testament, ladies. So sorry. Life existed before people got woke. Oh, I ain't afraid of you. (laughs) Daddy had the authority. The father had the authority. And Jacob said to Rachel, no, no, that's not how he's going to live the rest of his life. He ain't living out your sorrow and your grief and your disappointments. No, I'll tell you how he's going to live. He's going to live the son of my right hand with authority and might and power. Benjamin, you're going to have authority. You're going to have standing in this life. And if daddy had not stepped in, he would have lived his life through the eyes of his mother's disappointment and her dysfunctional life. Fathers had this, the final design. They set the stage for life even at the beginning. A father, his word can last forever. And if you read the scripture that I read to you, the angel spoke to Joseph the name of Jesus who was given by heaven. We know the ancient of days had known it from the foundations of the world, but God needed someone who would step into fatherhood. And name the name which is above every other name. Here's the word, Matthew 1 and 25. And he, meaning Joseph, called him Jesus. He called his name Jesus. Joseph was the one who named the name. Because the daddy gets the final word. Dad, when you step into fatherhood, men, wherever you are, you don't need a biological location or a connection. All you've got to do is speak the word and you set it to motion. The name, the perception, the mentality, the confidence. And in this particular case, that was Joseph's big moment. His name shall be called. There are a couple of choices that are made in life regarding fathers and sons and daughters. And Joseph chose to raise Jesus with love and direction and guidance. Luke offers a little insight in in chapter 2. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Joseph was there given instruction and structure and care. And when Jesus was missing on that one family trip to Jerusalem when he was 12, Joseph was also distraught along with Mary and they, they had misplaced the Lord at a tender age and they searched for days only to find him in the temple teaching. Mary's words were recorded but Joseph again though he searched he had no record of speaking. All of it is telling because real fathers are not always the men with biological connections. Some of the, inve- some of the best men and the best dads are fatherhood dads. Because they invest love and truth and wisdom without one single strand of DNA to connect them. You don't need a strand of DNA to step into fatherhood, men. You don't need a biological offspring to speak words of life and rename and re-instruct the path into lives of people all around you. Just do a little review about the Bible's premier family. Joseph kept Mary through faith. He believed with no definitive proof, there's a man for you. 
He provided care for a child that was not his own. He cared for a family with a strange dynamic because they had other children. This was indeed a blended family. So for all who might wonder, Jesus came himself from a blended family. Don't pour mouth yourself. (laughs) The incarnate God came from a blended family and had a stepdad. Jesus have had, had half-brothers and half-sisters and stepfathers and a biological mother and the family trade was there in carpentry. They didn't have a lot of money. Joseph was diligent to take Jesus under his wing and the family to Jerusalem to observe the holy days. No doubt Joseph had to balance the supernatural birth of a Christ child with the common duties of life. Because a real dad balances all the aspects of the kingdom and then just common life. Joseph was a father by choice. Any man can procreate, but fatherhood is by choice. I won't, I won't get raw here, although I'm on the edge. Don't think because a man has a baby with a woman that he's a dad or a father. No. None of that makes him anything. When you invest and care and concern and you wake up in the morning and you go to work because you know I'm providing for someone I love. There is the father. He was a father by choice. And, the, and it brings me to this moment. The beauty of the church is that fatherhood is available for everybody here. The real operation of the body of Christ is that no one need be left out. And I wish we could consider it all of our responsibility. Men, if you look around, everybody is your responsibility. Men, there are many sons and daughters waiting for you to occupy a place of fatherhood in their life. It's a choice so desperately needed. I say to all of the children who've lost their fathers, young people and, and older people that lost their fathers, there are men standing as a father figure, fatherhood. And if you have no other voice, then at least you have my voice in your life. I care. You're not alone. You're not by yourself. There's fatherhood men in this house. I can't ignore the statistics, nor could I repeat them of what Brother Brown said today, but we, we must not ignore them. The dissolving of the family unit, the dismantling of strong men, fathers, is the destruction of our entire society. Men who worship and sacrifice and give and praise and are dutiful, those are the men who hold the nation together, not the government. We don't need another stimulus check. We need a man to stand up and say, I'll be godly, I'll be holy, I'll be righteous. You can't spin your way into functional families, ladies and gentlemen. You can't legislate this nation into a functional nation. It's going to take fatherhoods, men in the church that love God. Here, pastor today, I can't tiptoe around these things. We've got to have young men and older men and middle-aged men and young, younger, younger teenage men and young adult men that will be holy and righteous and godly. Paul made the choice 
And there are many choices. Paul made the choice. Timothy was not his biological son, but Paul, he made the choice to raise him up in the gospel. He taught him. He guided him. He instructed him. He warned him. And when Paul presented Timothy to the church at Philippi, he said of Timothy, and I quote, but you know the proof of him that as a son with the father, he has served me in the gospel. That wasn't the only one Paul chose. He wrote to Philemon, I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds. I won Onesimus when I was in prison. I taught him when I was at the lowest point. I converted him. I delivered the doctrine. And I want to receive him. He's my son. No biological strand. No DNA there. Peter did the same thing. Peter wrote to the church. He said to the church that is at Babylon, elect together with you, salute you, and so does Marcus, my son. But Marcus, Mark the evangelist, he was not a biological son of Peter, but Peter regarded him as a son in the gospel. Such was the case with many of the early church men, fathers by choice, men who taught the scripture and conducted themselves godly and offered wisdom and direction to men and women, sons and daughters in the gospel was common in the early church. Even in the early days of America, many children, sons and daughters were displaced from their biological fathers and mothers. The hardships are often lost in the modern pages of history. But men took on those children, teaching them biblical concepts and offering protection and care. Many, who knows how many, entered the role of fatherhood and it saved a generation of would-be forgotten lives. Because a man stepped up and said, I may not be connected to you DNA-wise, but I will be the father their figure in spiritual ways and protection and care the holocaust is said to have wiped out an entire demographic of men and women mostly men the women were easy to manipulate the men were harder and the little lives that were left over would have been abandoned and alone But other men took them and loved them and gave them hope and a home. They were not relatives or close friends, just men who decided to be a father. It is a decision today, men. I have my children, I'm grateful, but I also choose my children. I have more than four. It's kind of odd for me to say, I still consider myself a young man, except today I looked in the mirror and... Whatever happened to me? I have the fight in me. It's mostly in my mind. I choose my children. I'm grateful for the four wonderful children that God gave me and Tammy. But they're not the only ones. Some are much older Some are at different levels in their mentality, emotional, walk with God. I want to say to a man here today, you're not alone. You're not alone. You got me. You don't know your dad. Your dad disappointed you, but you got me. You don't just have me. You got got Brother Gordon. Where are you, Brother Gordon? Stand up, please. I got to have a father stand up. Fatherhood. Stay standing, Elder. Stay standing. 
I got to recognize some fatherhood and I'm going to get in trouble, but it's okay. I'm not going to be able to recognize every man. Stand up, Larry Wallace. Where are you, Larry? Are you in this house? I saw him just a moment ago. I'm looking for him. He just stepped out. I told him, Nico, you see what happened? Stand up, Larry Hutchins. And the many people that have gone through your table, stand up, giving wisdom and guidance. Keep standing. There's men all over this place. Some are young men. Stand up, Grant Doherty. Stand up, Andrew Fisher, wherever you are. Fatherhood. Fatherhood. You may be seated. Fatherhood. We've got to have men that will stand up and take on sons and daughters. You're everywhere. Stand up, Gary Schweitzer. How many people have gone through your home and loved children that nobody loved and took them in? Stand up. Here's a fatherhood. Step into the fatherhood. You only had two biological children, but you had a lot of other children. Thank you. We choose our children. Men, we choose our children. And some of them are close to our age. Some of them are some of them are a lot younger than us. It's important for our church. I've got to get to this. I, I, I thank the Lord for, for the ladies of the church. I thank God. But the churches, all of our churches need men. Not, not, just, not just deadhead men. We need men that are godly men. That come with joy and wisdom. That are not afraid to, afraid to worship and dance and praise God. Men that love God. And to quote one of the men many years ago, we need a manly man. Mm -hmm. I didn't choose my dad. I didn't choose him. I was born into him. I'm the lucky one. But I also have choices. Sometimes it's just a strong and determined voice. Sometimes it's a steady hand without panic or fear. Something my own father showed me, gave to me. Mom was frantic and dad was steady. Mom was up and down and dad was level. Dishes broke. Mom cried. The world was over. Dad super glued them and duct taped them back together. This is true. Sometimes it's... <laughs> Sometimes a man just needs to be in opposition. He needs to stand in opposition to worldliness. Love doesn't mean passivity. Love is not, doesn't mean that you approve. It means that you scorn things. That's hateful. That's horrible. Don't do that. Sometimes it's standing in the way of destruction. But I choose that role. I choose to be a father. It's the obligation of the body of Jesus Christ. Not just the mothers of the church, which we are thankful for, but fatherhood. Not passive or harsh, but resolute and true. 
men with integrity not given to the horribleness of the world that tell the truth and speak right father's day is needed more than ever but not just a day of cards and barbecue it has a need for time spent and instruction offered and correction given if needed and the word of god to be spoken There is something powerful when a father will speak the word of God. There's nothing like it, either natural or spiritual. The need for fatherhood has never been greater in our nation today. Right now, it's never been greater. I'm calling on godly men to guide everybody they can. Men who will stand in the gap and make up the hedge. Men who will pray pray and seek God. And yes, Brother Brown, men who will offer a sacrifice to the Lord. Some to fill roles that have been left empty. And some just to defend holiness and righteousness and godly living and decency our nation this city is in need of worshiping men and men who are givers and doers workers in the kingdom faithful in the doctrine fatherhood that position of oversight and guidance for those who are willing we must make the choice and i'm asking men today who are your children in the gospel you've got to have some son or daughter in the gospel The need is here. Fatherhood is waiting for you. It is a choice. I'm looking for more sons and daughters in the gospel. And this is not the only choice that must be made. The choice of the father is also a part of our pursuit. David was Israel's greatest king. I I can't imagine a greater king than David. A man after God's own heart. He was a minstrel, a songwriter, A worshiping king, a conquering king. They said of him that he had killed his ten thousands. He commenced his entire path by holding the severed head of Goliath. He brought back the Ark of the Covenant and envisioned the temple which Solomon would eventually build. He gathered money and supplies for it. David had many sons and daughters, but if you read 2 Chronicles 34, you would think that Josiah was one of them. And yet, Josiah lived hundreds of years After David had already passed. Josiah was not the biological son of David. Josiah's father was Ammon. Who did evil in the sight of the Lord. Josiah's grandfather. His name was Manasseh. Who also did evil. His father and his grandfather. Both sacrificed to idols. Carved images. Demanded the people to bow down. Before those gods of wood and stone. They were wicked in their dealings. And corrupt in their ways. Josiah's dad, Ammon, was so horrible that just after two years of sitting on the throne, his own servants had enough and they assassinated him. They conspired together and killed him, even at the cost of their own lives. But Josiah entered the scene. His father was Ammon. His grandfather was Manasseh. And here's what the Bible says in 2 Chronicles 34 and 2. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in the ways of David his father. I'm going to choose who my spiritual fathers are. Josiah decided who his father would be, and he did so by his actions. He might have not been the biological son of Ammon. He might have been the biological son of Ammon and the biological grandson of Manasseh, but he did not have to live like them or be like them. He made a statement of action. I was born in that house and I may look like them and walk like them, but I am connected to the heart of David. I choose my dad. You can choose your father. It's a role model. It is your confidant. It's for all men and all women. Ladies, you get to choose your spiritual fathers. We may not have the same genetic code. I've got spiritual sons that are 6'4". 
Amen. <laughs> I got spiritual sons and daughters don't look like me. They don't always function like me. But they've chosen me. Like I've chosen my spiritual fathers. And I say today, I'm thankful for my pastor. My dad was my pastor, but I'm also thankful for Pastor Stark. I talk to him now almost on a weekly basis. Pastor, he calls me. I call him. It's important. I'm connected. Is there anything I can do for you, Pastor? He shares some burdens with me. Every once in a while now, he'll call me and ask me to pray about something. I'll write a piece and send it to him. I want to know what he thinks. I want him to filter me. I want to make sure that I'm doing it right. I want to make sure that I'm a right husband, a right father, right pastor, right Christian. I want to make sure that my heart's checked with him. Because I got to choose my spiritual father. And it will not end here. Not just with Josiah, but there's, the Bible is replete with this. Here's another king, not related by blood. And Asa, 1 Kings 15, did that which right in the sight of the Lord. So did David his father. They were not connected, not related. But he said, I'm going to, and Hezekiah, I, I, there's so many. He did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, Hezekiah, according to all that David his father did. They're not related. I choose my sons and daughters through fatherhood, and I choose my spiritual fathers. A choice and a decision has to be made. I'll just say this to you. This is critical. This is a house of God. It's a family. You get connected to me and Tammy. You are our brothers and our sisters, some sons and daughters, some fathers, some mothers. It's not a place where we come in and go out. It's not a place where we join and then quit. It's not a place where we kind of soak it in and see what else someone else has to say. Or go to another place. No, this is the body of Jesus Christ. Come be a part of the body. This is where God called you to be. So for better or worse, we're connected. I may not always have the right words. I may not have the words at all. But we're going to pray that God will give direction. I may not always have the right thing. I may not be the best preacher in the world or the best pastor in the world, but I'm your pastor. <laughs> Try to make me a little better. <laughs> to that end, I can barely grasp the totality of the mind of Jesus Christ who made the truest declaration of family, fathers, mothers, brothers, sisters. That's what Jesus started and there he is, if you can see him, the incarnate God. He raised, was raised by a faithful mother and an honorable, dutiful stepfather. He's on the inside, the Bible says, teaching somewhere, some nondescript building or house. When someone in the, in the house says, excuse me, Lord, your mother and your brothers are waiting for you on the outside. And Jesus replies in Matthew 12, who is my mother? Who are my brethren? Who are these people that you say, my family? He stretched forth his hand towards his disciples and said, Behold, my mother, my brethren, for whosoever shall do the will of my Father which is in heaven, the same is my brother and my sister. Here are the family ties. It's the family of God. You put so much emphasis on your DNA family that sometimes you forgot this is your family. 
Some of us in here are distraught because it's Father's Day. Some people don't show up for Mother's Day because they lost their mother or they had a terrible childhood. Let me just tell you, here's your family. We're doing the will of God. So it didn't matter where you came from, what your DNA was, what your biological parents were. Here is your family. Watch this, watch this. There are men and women and there are people here that love the Lord and they care about people. Don't stop. Craig Myers, don't stop. You've raised all these babies and took them in as your own. They're all of your children. And then God gave you a child with your wife. Red-headed, fiery little guy. But don't stop. Greg, Shannon, there's a lot of other children and young people you gotta, you gotta put wisdom into. Don't stop there. You are, you have entered fatherhood. It's fatherhood. It's people that will love one another. Anyone who's doing the will of the Father is part of this family. This is, this is how we operate. You're my brother. You're my spiritual father. You're my spiritual mother. You're my son in the gospel. You're my daughter in the gospel. I'm going to lead you by worship and prayer. You're not alone. There's mamas and dads all over this place. They'll meet you at the altar when you're ready to come. And you may not have had a lot of children or none at all but you can still occupy that role or maybe your house is full you still need to occupy that role amen I rise to say today regardless of how you came to this world or how you came to this church there's a family of God waiting And those of us that are here today will offer our wisdom and knowledge, our time, our effort, our energy, our lives. I pray today that the choice of a father, a spiritual father, the choice of sons and daughters in the gospel will be made. I was speaking to this Brother and Sister Stewart, about your daughters. And your daughters and your son-in-law teaching Courtney and Jordan and then going down to Seth. And oh, I said to your daughters, you have children now. Now you have grandchildren. And if it keeps going, you have great-grandchildren. That means you are very old, Brother Stewart. You're like ancient. Because we're going on, what, four. Four spiritual generations of people, and who knows how far it will go. Here is the work right here. Here is the work. That you would find someone, love them, teach them the word, 
work through all of those biblical questions and concepts and the mess of life and start to in, untangle that and plead the blood and, and, and have intercessory prayer and then teach the word again and answer the same questions and ride that roller coaster until there's a steadiness and finally, finally there's stability and then they find a friend and then they find a friend and then all of a sudden that's the operation of the body of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So I don't want to just say happy Father's Day at the end. I want to say be a father and be a daughter and be a son. And here we are. I wanted to point you out, Brother Gordon, because I always love to be with you. And while I consider Brother Foster my brother and fellow laborer, When I lost Brother Heiss, I knew I still had Brother Hudiger and I had Brother Gordon. I thank you, Brother Hudiger. You've had to be a father to me in correction when I was younger. I hope that you cannot remember. A little dementia would help a little something. Don't tell. It's under the blood. I thank you men for loving, loving me, strengthening me. And I give honor to Brother Heiss today, a great man of God who passed away, 94 years old, he passed away, always positive, always encouraging. And sometimes, and I say this over and over, sometimes when I when I got done preaching and he thought it was a very good sermon because he always would call his wife kid as a term of endearment he'd hug me and said that was good kid and when you're in your 90s you can say kid to anybody you want to in fact you can say anything that you want to I think I'm never too old to put my shoulder under another man's arm and learn and I want all of us to follow that path. Amen. So I ask you to stand today. And I want everyone in this house, doesn't matter fathers, mothers, old, young, I want us just to take a moment and consider ourselves. And I want you to make a choice today. It doesn't matter how young or old you are. Now you make a choice to be a godly example. Here we are. Now I want you to close your eyes with me now. And I want you to pray with me. Lord, you've designed us here. I pray today, help us to be a godly example in our lives. Help us to realize it's not about us. It's about the people that are watching the body. Help us to be an epistle read of all men. Help us to be fathers and mothers, sons and daughters. Help us to choose godly spiritual mentors and godly spiritual men and women who will guide us. I pray, Lord, that we would take people and guide them, let our words guide them, so that in time, after sacrifice, we can call them our sons and daughters in the gospel. Let it be so. This is your design in the church. And I pray, Lord, for all the families, whether they're related by DNA or not, Lord, you've given us all these examples that our obligations are to one another. I pray for the body of Jesus Christ. I pray for this body. Let New Life Fellowship represent what you designed for us and what we found in the scripture, I pray. 
And I pray for every heart that's broken, every person who's wounded, every person that's dealing with issues left over or a loss or an empty place. I pray for everyone who's struggling with a dysfunctional family or some something they cannot fix. Let them find their refuge with people. Your spirit is pure. Your spirit is sweet. You're a faithful God. Let the people be faithful to one another. I pray for men in this house to be men of God, godly men. Not men in corners, but men leading and guiding and in every aspect of godly things. Let there be righteous men in the church. Let men walk by faith, Lord. Let there be men who give, Lord, sacrificially and work for the kingdom, I pray. Who will teach and guide and live their lives so that other people can easily find them and they'll be an example to them. Light in dark places, I pray. Let the role of fatherhood be filled by every man in this house and let us choose our spiritual fathers. In Jesus' name, I pray. Just lift your hands unto the Lord and give yourself to God right now. Come on, everybody. Just put your hands up to the Lord and just say, I surrender all of this to you, Lord. Come on, every man, he would that men would lift up hands. Come on, men, lift up hands now. I, I surrender my life to you, Lord. Yes, Lord Jesus. Come on, choice. Make the choice right now. I choose, Lord. I'm going to choose leadership. I'm going to choose righteousness. Yes, Lord. Come on, speak his name. You're guiding us now. We speak your name. We speak your name, Lord. I thank you for a godly Joseph that would, that would follow through, Lord, and do the work of the Father. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Come on, tell him you love him. Yes, we love you. We love you. We love you. We love you.